It's time for another episode of Dynasty Oasis Podcast. Here are your hosts, Matt Newts and Josh Adkins. Welcome to another episode of Dynasty Oasis Podcast, another late night edition. My name is Matthew Newts. With me tonight, as always, in Roger Goodell's Lazy Boy, Joshua Adkins. Uh, happy Friday night. Happy round two, round three of the NFL draft. How's it going? Uh, it's going good. We had uh, we had a couple big movers tonight. I'm, I'm pretty excited to get in get into it. Um, what were you just overall takes on the draft? I know there was a lot of trades here early in the second round. Um, kind of before we get into any individual players, any big takeaways you had uh, on the front side here? Um, the thing that kind of confused me the most, I guess, and we'll definitely talk about this later in the show, but just kind of the order the wide receivers went in <laughs> a little bit shocking to me. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. And um, there's some good ones sitting on the board. And we're going to make sure to, uh, as we're going to go through this position by position as opposed to pick by pick as we did last week, we want to really um, hammer home on the uh, the dynasty relevant assets here. So we're going to talk a lot about the offensive players that got drafted. Um, but we're also going to talk about some of the players that haven't been drafted and um, what we think, you know, potentially, you know, could be their future or where we sort of see them going here as we go into day three. Um, I think we should just kind of get it going, Newts. Uh, should we start at quarterback? Yeah, let's get the most important position in football out of the way first. And, uh, well, we had five of them go yesterday. What, we have three of them go tonight? Yep, three of them went. Uh, maybe I'll just read them off real quick. Kyle Trask at the last pick in the second round uh, went to the Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then... Um, in back-to-back picks, actually, these three players actually went in the span of what would be four picks. Yeah. Uh, the Vikings took uh, Kellen Mond, uh, one of our favorites here at uh, pick 66 in the draft, early in the third round, and then right after that, uh, Houston got potentially the long-term quarterback if it's not going to be Deshaun Watson and Davis Mills, uh, former five-star guy that you know pretty high in NFL circles it seems. Um, what were your takeaways on those three players? Um, and you know, um, obviously we're pretty strong super flex wise at the top of this draft to me, just on the front end here, it feels like the, the amount, I mean, I think I'm willing to invest in all three of these players. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. Um, it's clearly a murky path to playing time for all three. Mm -hmm. Um, so you're going to want to temper your investment, um, I think we're pretty well on record of Mond being our favorite of the three before you factor in our Vikings bias. So that's mm -hmm. not just us as Vikings fans propping him up first, but I still think he would probably be the one I'd take first. Cause I don't think Brady's necessarily even done after this year. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I have no idea what to make of the, the Houston Texans quarterback situation. Maybe Davis Mills can find playing time this upcoming season. If, Deshaun Watson is suspended or whatever, but there's still Terod Taylor in town who I'm assuming right. is going to be starting week one. So I wouldn't shock me if Davis Mills doesn't play at all this year either. So I'm going to lean towards drafting the guy that I just like the best in Kellen Mond. I think he's probably two years away though. And I think that's probably a similar timeline to the other two, um, maybe third round, mid to late third round rookie draft selections and super flex for me is when I'd start considering it. Uh, probably more likely fourth round picks though. Okay, absolutely. And yeah, um, you know, we don't have to, uh, 
uh, debate our Kellen Mond love. In fact, if you want to read my thoughts, Vikings fans, because I know there's a few of you listening, go read on Dynasty Nerds. I wrote the piece on him. It's under the Dynasty uh, 2021 uh, rookie profiles. Go read that if uh, you're, you're interested in seeing who our future quarterback might be uh, in the event Kirk Cousins does not uh, play well in the coming years. Um, I'm with you. That's the Dynasty quarterback that I most would want. Um, however, I think that there is more clear paths here. I mean, Kyle Trask in Tampa Bay. I mean, Tom Brady, how many more years does he really want to play? I'm not saying he can't play. He can probably play five more years if he really sets his mind to it. At some point, I feel like isn't isn't enough enough. When is he? Yeah, I mean, but we've already passed that point a long time ago, haven't we? <laughs> I, yeah, probably. But, you know, and I, I, anytime you bet against Tom Brady, I think it's it's bad news. What I will say is uh, Kyle Trask feels like a really good fit in the Bruce Arians offense. So as much as I can't really predict when it's going to be, I don't want it to be this year, obviously. And it won't be. I mean, that's not, you know, something that's even really in play. Um, however, if it's not next year, I think in, in a deep enough super flex league, if we're talking about 20 roster spots, no, you probably can't worry about players like Kyle Trask. But if we're talking about more in the standard dynasty of 30, 35, 40 roster spots, I think uh, Kyle Trask is more than deserving of that. So um, I was excited about all three of these guys when they came off the board. Um, I got really excited when the Vikings took Kevin Mond. We've talked you know, privately about uh, how excited that pick would have made us. And I think you've even said it on the show. So um, I think we got eight quarterbacks now that are worth going in. You said the the fourth round you'd start considering these guys. I think late third round is even um, in play, depending upon where your team's at and, and what you're looking to do. So um, I think it's an exciting deal. Do you have any quarterbacks that haven't gone yet that could end up in a appealing spot and maybe be a long-term project? Anybody that you want to, put a flag on um if we're talking uh in a super flex league i don't know standard four rounds there's probably not anyone left that would crack my Mm -hmm. top i don't know 48 overall players but i guess i'm kind of intrigued in where jamie newman lands yeah that's the one i think that's the one guy that still represents uh more than backup upside at this point and um you know, when these guys get a chance, these backups, I mean, they're maybe sometimes worth a streamer, but they're not, you know, rostering Colt McCoy is not worth the three games that he potentially might give you in a season. So I'm with you. Jamie Newman's the one name left to kind of let's see where he goes and, and see if he can develop in two, three years and maybe win a job. Uh, should we move it over to tight end then? Yeah, tight end. Uh, we had um, four. four, Pat Fryermuth. Hunter Long, Tommy Tremble, and maybe well, surprisingly Trey McKitty go off the board tonight. Well, hold up, read off the landing spot just in case everybody, oh, sure. you know, didn't see the whole thing. So at uh, the 55th pick in the second round, that was Pat Fryermuth. He went to Pittsburgh. Yeah. Uh, with the 81st pick in the third round, uh, the third round, uh, Hunter Long went to Miami. Uh, also third round, 83rd pick, uh, Tommy Tremble went to Carolina, and then Trey McKitty at the end of the third round, pick 97. Uh, to the Chargers, and I think that's where I'd like to start. We're both big Donald Parham believers, but of all of these landing spots, I think more because we expected kind of long and Fryermuth to end up in semi-appealing spots. This Trey McKitty one really uh, perked up my antenna. He's a really athletic player, and um, with Herbert tied to Herbert, I think he's a guy that's, you know, his, uh, his arrow's up after tonight. 
Yeah, absolutely. Hard to deny the draft capital spent on him and uh, the position old depth in front of him um, in Los Angeles isn't like all that frightening, even though we do like Parham. Uh Um, It's not like he's necessarily, you know, a hall of famer um, and uh, (laughs) was the guy that signed Jared cook. He's an old man. Yeah. um, And I think what McKitty does so well is work that seam route up the middle. um, And that just seems to fit perfectly with, with what Herbert's shown is that, you know, um, that layered throw, that you know, aggressive, uh, you know, right down the middle throw. I think I think it's going to work really well. And um, while it's always going to take these guys, especially a third round tight end, a couple years to develop, um, this is one that tight end premium league really got me got me excited. Uh, Tremble, um, little surprising he went off the board before Brevin Jordan. Well, I think three of these guys I would have taken behind Brevin Jordan personally, but I, okay. um, I like tremble a lot and I actually really like this landing spot for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's going to be on the field a lot just because of his blocking, um, which may lead to just some dump off stuff or maybe even some di- design plays due to his athleticism. But being on the field is a good way to catch some passes on, uh, you know, second, third reads. I don't know if a lot of their offense is going to be designed for him, but this is shaping up to be a pretty interesting team. And I think he could develop into being a weapon for Sam Darnold, uh, maybe as early as later this year. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think the thing I like the most about this one is, is if you roster Darnold or if you roster these Carolina Panthers, I think, you know, this gives uh, Joe Brady another, you know, another piece to sort of design plays around and, um, that's a good thing, in my opinion. This offense, we're going to get to uh, the wide receivers here in a minute. This offense is really shaping out as as one that's uh, uh, fully in support of Sam Darnold. And if he can't make it work here, uh, we're going to just have to admit we were wrong on the evaluation. But um, another guy arrows up Sam Darnold. I mean, th- we'll get a- again. We'll get into who he got as a wide receiver complement to their core. Um, but uh, yeah, I think arrows up for Darnold. Um, Hunter Long, I know you're not crazy about him, so maybe I'll talk about him. I think Miami's really good at utilizing two tight ends. They tried to get Adam Shaheen um, mm-hmm. into this role last year. I forget what the second – there's another uh, – is it um, oh, Durham, Durham Smythe? No, yeah, maybe that's right. I think that is right, actually. Uh, sorry, forgive me if it's somebody else. Anyways, they're trying to get a second tight end, a true wide, so that they can kick Gusecki out, use him in a less traditional way. Um, because he hasn't proven to be able to do any of that type of stuff. I think Hunter Long's a guy that they're going to uh, fall in love in w- with when they get into uh, training camp. I think he's a um, he was my third tight end coming into the into the night, and nothing's changed in that regard. So I was excited about that one. I know you. I won't make you pitch him. So um, how about Fryermuth to Pittsburgh? This is, um, I mean, Pittsburgh's all in for one or two years. Can Fryermuth be the exception that's productive as a young player? Yeah, I mean, I would bet on it. I absolutely love Pat Fryermuth. Um, I think they're going to need him to block, though. The tight ends they have on roster don't really do that. So um, I think he'll be on the field. I think he'll be starting for them. But I think his assignment, more often than not, will be to support their weaker offensive line than what they're used to having. Um, So I think his upside mostly will come from touchdowns, but um, I I think it, you know, we're going to have to figure out how they're going to, you know, switch from Ben to someone else in the future. But yeah, um, so it makes it, I would have liked obviously for him to land in a spot with one of these young quarterbacks that, you know, is going to be there forever. But Mm -hmm. um, 
I think it's a decent landing spot to start, but like, you know, we've talked about a million times, it's hard to project tight end production year one, but I think, I think he'll be fine. Um, that, I think that's what, but that's what makes him a conundrum, right? Is you're buying yeah. years three and four and years three, I mean, years one and two very well could have big Ben year two is a little bit skeptical at this point, but you know, it's 50, 50, let's call it years three and four are highly unlikely. And if that's what you're buying here, the, the Steelers did miss out on quarterback. We just covered that position. Maybe they get Newman. Maybe that's a developmental guy. But um, I feel like they're all in for this year. And that that makes me worried for both Fryermuth, frankly, as well as Najee Harris. Um, he's going to be a guy. Najee, I mean, I, I still kind of believe he's in that top two tier, you know, the very top of your rookie drafts. But um, he's probably a guy that, like most running backs, I'll be looking to sell after a couple of years. So, uh, sorry, I don't, I don't mean to go off on a Najee Harris tangent there, but uh, this Pittsburgh Steelers offense looks pretty appealing next year. I'm just, I'm worried about uh, the sustainability of pretty much everything, everything around Big Ben. Yeah, no, that's very fair. Um, so the guys we have left, uh, obviously Brevin Jordan's the most interesting based mm-hmm. on your rankings and based on. Uh, my rankings, he's my tight end three in this class. Obviously being hurt a little bit by the the height, not quite being up to NFL standards, but your comp for him is Irv Smith. And uh, mm-hmm. what was Irv, a third-round pick? Uh, I believe we took him in the second. But Okay, second round. Yeah, but either way, I think, you know, there's still some teams out there that have not addressed the tight end position. Um, we hit on a couple. We did a couple uh, uh, dynasty hybrid mocks, basically, throughout the season. And we've hit on a couple picks and maybe we'll touch on that throughout the show. But Brevin Jordan's one we talked about in the most recent one to Washington. Um, They've had, you know, we'll get maybe into some drafts that we really like, but they've had a great draft in my opinion. Um, And boy, Brevin Jordan would be the cherry on top of that. So maybe that's something we'll see on, on day three. I, you know, there's a bunch of good players. I'm still into Matt Bushman. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, the more I think about it, I think he is a guy that could come in and have an impact year one or year two. Kenny Yabo is another guy um, that I think is interesting. And and frankly, I'm still into Noah Gray. Um, I I think I'm maybe in the minority on that one, but I think he's um, every bit as capable as Tommy Tremble to be that sort of H move fullback type player. I'd love to see him in a Shanahan type scheme. Maybe, you know, go to the Jets and sort of uh, be the, the next tight end there. I could see something like that happening on day three. So he's a guy that I like, too. Yeah, the Jets would certainly be a team to watch for a few of these guys. Yeah, I think I they think. could use some help there. Um, give Zach Wilson a nookie blankie, but <laughs> definitely stuff to watch at this position tomorrow. Um, I'll be paying attention to where a few of these guys go. Certainly Jordan. I got to imagine Jordan's off the board um, pretty Early. quick. Yeah, with, for sure by the end of the fourth round. I don't think he makes it that far, but my guess is people will, will shuffle their boards tonight and, and sort of settle down again, and, and um, he'll end up being one of the top players on the board. Although, I, if I'm not mistaken, I believe Mel has Yeboah above him, so I don't I don't know, for whatever that's worth. I don't agree, but um, you know, I'm with you. Brevin Jordan needs to go pretty quick here. Um, should we move on to running back? Yeah, running backs, uh, we don't need to spend a ton of time on what happened tonight. Um, really, only two went. Uh, I know you have Amari Rogers on your running back board, but uh, based on where he went to Green Bay, um, I yep. think we can save him for wide receivers. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we're going to talk about Javante Williams to Denver um, at pick 35 early in the second round. They traded up to get him. And then the San Francisco 49ers uh, picked Trey Sermon um, at 88. So 
uh, two very, very juicy landing spots. Um, uh-huh. I said, I think in yesterday's show that um, Javante is probably going to move ahead of Etienne for me if he lands in a juicy spot. And I think that is exactly what happened. So, well, uh, and I, I think the other important thing is it's not just that it's a good spot. It's that a team traded up for him and up to a spot right at the top of this. I mean, this is not a third, you know, middle of the third right. round pick. Like they just sort of, he was sitting around. Uh, a team made a concerted effort to go get him. And I think that's an important factor here, too. Not just that, I mean, Denver's wide open. I think he takes this job right away. Melvin Melvin Gordon will probably keep some of the third down work. Um, but, yeah, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I just I think the draft capital part and what they um, how aggressive they were going to get him plays a factor here as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm not afraid of Melvin Gordon at all. He's looked pretty washed to me for a while. So I think Javante Williams has a clear bell cow path, uh, pretty easily attainable for him. So he's going to be my running back too. Uh, Trey Sermon's a guy I have a pretty good feeling you're going to be fading. Um, I feel a little vindicated in him being my RB4 coming in, but you have him down at like seven or eight. Um, well, if you take Rodgers out of this, which I think we we both agree we should, he's at eight. Yeah. So, and you know, um, I know you're going to get a little victory lap in here because clearly, <laughs> you know, there it's it's frankly deserved. And he's he, he you know, I'm not going to argue with anybody at this point. He's the RB four. I'm even less likely to pay the freight now. Um, well, I probably yeah, am I, too. I, I, I would I would yeah, I was going to say I think you would agree with me on that. I don't know that this is quite Keyshawn Vaughn. I like Sermon a heck of a lot better than I liked Vaughn. And I, you know, Sermon's not high on this board, but, you know, um, I do like him better than I liked Vaughn as a prospect coming out last year. So that's not quite what I'm saying, but he's now going to go in spots that I, I'm not willing to take. Him. Well, yeah, will- this landing spot's going to propel him probably uh-huh. too high for even my taste. Um well, I, let me ask. Let me ask this question: Do you think, from a maybe not your opinion, but from the dynasty community consensus, where we're trending going into you know rookie drafts in a week for most of us on FFPC or on other sites, um, does he climb up into that just a, a conversation of going over Etienne or going over Williams? For I mean, is that a, a reality here at this point? I mean, how high does he really climb? Not necessarily to you, but how high could he climb in the um, sort of consensus opinion is is what I'm wondering. I think it's I gonna think be we're certainly going to see instances of that happening. Um, I think his ADP is still going to be behind those two guys. I think he's still going to fall as RB4. But I think what's going to happen is he's going to jump a few of these wide receivers that he yeah. otherwise wouldn't have in, in total ADP. So I think in single quarterback leagues, he's guaranteed to be a first-round pick now. Oh, um, gosh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Super flex, he may even still creep into the first round. Yeah, or he's in the first pick or two of the second round. Yeah, no. Um, and I, 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 you know, if it really fell that way, what I'm wondering is if he pushes even a little bit higher, like if he's more like almost a bona fide top six pick in single quarterback and, you know, yeah, I mean, the top nine or 12 of, of super flex. Yeah. That San Francisco landing spot is about as juicy as the Clyde Edwards, Alaire landing spot was yeah. a year ago. So, um, I could certainly see him climbing maybe even higher than I expect. Um, it's something we need to reconcile and kind of think about and probably something me and you are both going to push back on a little bit saying this is yes. a little bit too, uh, 
you know, narrative driven and not so much deserved by his talent. Well, and I think that's how you kind of know it's the right decision is that we, we disagree on how much we like or dislike this player. And if that's really where he's going to end up going, we both agree that that's, you know, criminal and, and, you know, that's, that's how you end up losing dynasty leagues, frankly. Um, However, at, at 14 in a super flex or at, you know, 11 or 12 in a, in a single quarterback, I, you know, I get, I get the idea and, and, you know, you deserve a little credit here. You saw this one coming and, and uh, good on you because um, he was really the only running back that even went tonight, which was, which was, well, I guess Williams went right at the top, but um, like I said, he was off the board so quick. He almost felt like a first rounder. Um so yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'm probably gonna end up moving Williams over Etienne as well. I don't know. I'm I'm pretty conflicted on that one too because as much as I like to believe that James Robinson um, is a good player, and I do believe that uh, they're sending pretty strong signals here, and and I I believe Travis Etienne's the better player at the end of the day. So. Um, well, I just I love know. how Urban Meyer said that Etienne's gonna be our third down back, and right. that. Um, he had to group uh, Carlos Hyde in with James Robinson as the first and second down back. So that's kind of weird. Right. Well, and I, I do think he'll, that will be the, the part of his game that we, he will get 100% of the reps and they'll break the rest of it up. And that's the most valuable role then on the team, especially when the team's going to be much more pass oriented than they have been, mm-hmm. um, especially last year. So um, yeah, I actually may end up right back where I started uh, with it, Harris, Etienne, and Williams, but I think Williams has significantly closed the gap, and at this point, I'm willing to take him with a top five pick in in single quarterback. Um, how how about this, Williams or Pitts? In most, you know, just in a kind of a standard league, um, what are you doing most of the time? Oh man, that's a really good question. Um, I'd like to think I would divide shares pretty evenly okay um, yeah so it's going to be close it, and it's going to be roster dependent but uh to avoid cheating let's say it's a startup mm-hmm. i think yeah. i'm gonna i think i'm just gonna lean pits a little bit okay fair enough yeah no and i think that's I, that's why i think it, it's a good question because that's right where the two of them are i think um for sure you should be taking Najee, and i think you should be taking jamar chase over Pretty much everybody. Beyond that, I'm I'm really open to conversation for any of these two running backs, or 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 Pitts, or or Devonta Smith, or um, Jalen Waddle, frankly, whoever you're kind of into. So whatever your team needs. Uh, should we move on? I, I mean, Trey Sermon. Um, I think he's a good. I mean, we haven't really talked about the fit for San Francisco. I was a little surprised, frankly, that they did this, um, but I do think he's he's going to fit well here. Um, can he? garner enough work by the midway point i guess would be you know i mean mostert jeff wilson um both kind of journeymen is this i mean how crowded could this be or do you think trey sermon just takes this job in camp Uh, i don't think he takes the job right away that's just kind of antithetical to how coaches do things i don't think he's that good to where he's the clear rb1 day one they're gonna do the old hemming and high and he's got to earn it i think so right um i'm not ready to to throw dirt on the graves of wilson and mostert quite yet but it certainly hurts their values absolutely yeah no that that's for sure i think jeff wilson's any dynasty value that he did have is gone and mostert uh for for to a large degree falls in that same bucket let's move to wide receiver 
Um, so the guys we had go tonight were Elijah Moore right at the top of the second round, uh, pick 34 to the New York Jets. Um, and then uh, fellow Moore brother Rondale, not really brothers, but uh, out of Purdue, uh, went uh, pick 49 in the second round to Arizona. Both very interesting landing spots, in my opinion. Uh, and then kind of some surprises here, Newts. We had uh, yeah. we had uh, Dwayne Eskridge go to Seattle at pick 56 in the second round. Um, and then Tutu Atwell, the, really the, the big shocker for me. I was I think I was higher on Eskridge maybe than you were. That one didn't um, knock my socks off the way seeing Tutu Atwell get drafted at pick 57 did. Uh, but he goes to the L.A. Rams. Um, next up would be Terrace Marshall. And this was what we were referring to earlier. He goes to Carolina to help Sam Darnold out. Uh, along with Tommy Tremble and Christian McCaffrey, they've got a threesome now of wide receivers that uh, pretty scary. Um, and then in the third round, we had uh, Deami Brown to Washington. We had Nico Collins to Houston. Um, and then kind of another surprise, we had Josh Palmer to the L.A. Chargers and Anthony Schwartz to the Cleveland Browns. Uh, who do you want to start with, Newt? Let's just kind of kick it back and forth between the guys that went tonight. Well, this is kind of like, do you want the good news or the bad news? I think let's start with the bad news. Let's get our 2-2 Atwell uh, stuff out of the way let's first. Yeah. Because that was, I don't get it at all. Um, mm-hmm. I don't see the need there, really. I think this was uh, an organization that um, is a little too high on their own egos, seeing this potential weapon and thinking, oh, imagine all the ways we can make this work. And I just, I I don't get it at all. I think there's a million other ways they could have helped this offense or just their team in general. Um, That would have been more useful than a gadget player that's probably just going to be a punt returner for them. Yeah, and you know, I'm willing to admit I could be seeing this incorrectly because it seems like Daniel Jeremiah, Mel Mel, uh, Kuyper, all of these guys said nope. Tutu Atwell's a you know bona fide top fifty player. I just I don't see it. Where do you throw this guy the ball? I just I'm with you. I mean he's a glorified punt returner. He's going to do some gadget stuff, and you can send him deep. But I think you're just going to get a lot of off coverage. I just I don't think he he's dur- going to be. I don't know. I don't want to put that on him. He's 155 pounds. I just I have a hard time believing this is going to work out, and I just. I really didn't see this coming. This one hit me, you know, like, uh, you know, just broadsided me. So I don't even really know what to say. The fit's fine. I mean, I think if anybody's going to get good usage out of him, it'd be Matt Stafford and and Sean McVay. So from that standpoint, you know, I know that's kind of where you started this, of them sort of having an ego of figuring out how to use this guy. Maybe they will. I I don't know. I'm just, this this was a confusing pick to me. Yeah, um, I'm definitely in agreement there. Uh, yeah, so we'll see. Um, he's going to jump up draft boards in Dynasty, and it's going to be a hard fade for me. Yeah, I'm going to have zero shares. Let's kick it over to the Moors then, because they're a little bit more pleasant news. I think both of them ended up in fantastic spots. Again, uh, we're going to kind of talk about who we liked and who we disliked from the the draft as a total at the end. But uh, the Jets getting Elijah Moore in the second round was one of my favorite picks of this entire draft. And I think the Jets did a great job. So mm-hmm. um, I think that's fantastic. I think it's an upgrade for just about everybody in that offense. Zach Wilson, I think it takes a lot of pressure off Denzel Mims um, to be a, more of a deep threat where he can kind of work underneath and just be big and physical. Um, I I really like this fit, and I like the way those two players complement each other along with uh, Corey Davis and Jamison Crowder. 
Um, it kind of feels like a couple of years ago when Denver had um, both Sutton and Deshaun Hamilton at the time underneath Emmanuel Sanders and Demarius Thomas, where it's like four wide receivers that are two matches and they, they work really well with each other. I think this is going to be good in New York. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love both the more picks. Um, the Jets, they do have a bit of a crowded wide receiver depth chart, but I don't think any of the players there are going to um, prevent Elijah Moore from seeing the field. Yep. He's going to be their slot receiver day one. Um, I think this just means Jamison Crowder's probably gone, um, hmm. which is fine. Because um, I think, man, oh, unless they're going to use Crowder you know, on the outside, and, See, but they – they invest in Corey Davis and Denzel Mims pretty early last year, so I don't know. Can they feed four? They signed Keelan Cole, too, so they got five receivers now. I think, well, so here's what I think. I think Elijah Moore is the piece that allows, you know, he can still play 70% of the snaps, and he can take 30% of Jamison Crowder's stuff out of the slot, and he can take 40% of the outside stuff from Corey Davis and Denzel Mims, and you're just going to rotate him through. That's what I love so much about Elijah Moore. He can literally do whatever you need him to be. If you need him to be Elijah, uh, uh, Jamison Crowder um, for a couple of years, that's fine. Um, he's got so much more in him than that. I, I genuinely believe that. And I know I've heard Tyler Lockett. I heard Steve Smith tonight. The one that keeps sticking out to me is Stefan Diggs. I think that's the more of the type of player we're talking about here. Um, I'm over the moon for him. And, you know, he's... He was my wide receiver five coming into, you know, coming into the night, coming into the weekend. Uh, nothing's really changed in that regard, but uh, he's not moving down for me. So uh, should we move to Rondale? I think this is a fantastic landing spot as well. And um, mm-hmm. probably about as good a draft, frankly, about as good a draft capital if we're going to just talk about it from that end and not so much how he fits with the offense. Um, I kind of expected Rondale to drop a little bit. I'll be honest with you. Not because I don't like him, just because I thought the NFL would worry about the 5'7", 180 more than they clearly have because Tutu Atwell, we, we just talked about it. seems like they said we don't care. So that's awesome, first off, because we're kind of team small wide receiver anyways, or I feel like I am. Um, however, uh, Percy Harvin, I think, takes – or Percy Harvin. Jeez, that's my <laughs> count for him. Rondale Moore, excuse me. Uh, takes this second job in, in Arizona quickly, I believe. Yeah, I wish Percy Harvin was still playing. I miss watching him play. He's and, about to be the next Percy Harvin. And man. if I'm you're right on your comp, that's going to be a blast watching Arizona Cardinals football, man. I can just imagine. <laughs> I See, I have a lot easier time imagining fun ways to use Rondell more than I do Tutu Atwell. I kind of want to see some like motion stuff, do even some speed option with him and Kyler Murray. God, that you know what I just thought of? The other night we talked about uh, funnest player to play as in in Madden. Imagine this offense now with oh, DeAndre Hopkins going deep and then yeah. what you could do with Kyler Murray and uh, Rondell Moore. That's uh, that's a mad, fun Madden team, but I digress. Uh, how about for from a dynasty standpoint? Is this now make him your wide receiver six? Do you like Kadarius Toney possibly more? Um, Eskridge, Terrace Marshall. I mean, where are you at with wide? I mean, are you are you in agreement that wide receiver five is is Elijah Moore? Yeah, um, okay. I'll put Moore at five, and then yeah, I guess I haven't quite decided six and seven between Tony and uh, Rondell. I think this is good enough for me to keep Rondell one spot ahead of Tony, and I okay. think this offense is just going to be a blast. And uh, I don't. I trust Kyler Murray quite a bit more than I trust Daniel Jones, and I know Kyler's going to be there. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, I'll go Rondell 6. All right, well, then let's move it on to De'Ami Brown. I thought this was another fantastic fit. It's exactly what Washington needed. 
You know, mm-hmm. you got Terry McLaurin. He can literally do anything. He's another good comp to Elijah Moore. I know I, we're, we're coming back to that a lot, but um, he can do everything for you. You have uh, Curtis Samuel in the slot. I think they needed a bigger downfield weapon, and that is precisely what De'Ami Brown is. I think that Washington knocked it out of the park, in my opinion. The Jamin Davis pick, it wasn't out of left field. It was a slight reach, maybe. But the rest of this draft, the the Washington football team did a fantastic job. So um, I'm really excited about this pick for De'Ami. Um, I think he's impactful year one because this is the type of player that Fitz is going to look for him three, four times a game in a high leverage, high oh, fantasy yeah. potential outcome um, type spot, and I think he's going to make him make him pay for you know pay him off a few times. So um, again, arrows up, Deami Brown. Yeah, Fitz loves the YOLO ball. He's shown that <laughs> over and over again. And um, we've talked about what Washington needed a lot, and we said a guy that can take the top off the defense. Yep. And I think we even said specifically De'Ami Brown would be a great fit for them. So I think that's why we both got so excited for it because it makes just a ton of sense. And, yeah, the mm-hmm. knock on him was limited route tree, limited route tree, only deep you know, routes really run at North Carolina. And honestly, that's fine. Um, that's enough for him to see the field in Washington right away. Right. And he's got a couple of good, uh, well, at least one good route running mentor in McLaurin. I'm not mm-hmm. so sure how great of a route runner Samuel is quite yet, but um, he can do he's a little a bit. He's of, a pro. Yeah. You know? So I think it's a really good spot for him. And uh, yeah, it's, it, it may be a little murky once uh, Fitzpatrick's gone because they haven't addressed the quarterback position. But, um, you know, I think it's uh, maybe a slight bump for his value. I don't know if it's enough for me to move him up my rankings any more than where I had him, but it's uh, certainly not going to move him down. No, I think there's clearly been a tier that's been established here. And, you know, we haven't talked yet about Terrace Marshall, and so maybe that's where I'll take it. Um, You combine the four wide receivers that went last night, Jamar Chase, Devonta Smith, Bateman, and Waddle, and then the four that went at the top of tonight slash last night in Kadarius Toney, Terrace Marshall, Rondell Moore, and Elijah Moore. I think that's a pretty significant tier, and Diami didn't do enough. To to your former point, Diami didn't do enough with the Washington pick where he went to get into that tier, but he's leading pretty much everybody else in my opinion, which is kind of where yeah. he was to begin with anyway. Same. So it's kind of a net neutral, but I did like the landing spot and the potential for him to be impactful right away. Um, so Terrace Marshall, um, clearly some, some sort of injury problem. I don't know something I'm assuming that came up at the, at the medical recheck. Um, so he slips a little bit. He goes 59 overall Carolina though. Um, this is a perfect fit in my opinion, because I see him much more as a slot wide receiver um, and I look at Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore. You can move more around a little bit. I guess you can even move Anderson around a little bit. Um, however, I like the fit here and, and what he can do right away for this offense. Yeah, I totally agree. Big slot feels like the perfect place for him. Yep. Um, yeah, I think the clarity or the little bit of clarity I read on his was a knee issue that teams feel like isn't going to have long-term durability Whatever okay. that means, I'm not a doctor, but I think teams were afraid of his uh, long-term durability with his knee. So Okay. Well, and it's interesting that he gets to reunite with Joe Brady. So, I mean, I say he's a big slot, and I kind of think that that is what he is. I've comped him in the past to Marcus Colston. Um, however, Joe Brady has worked with him before. He's going to know how to use him. So um, I at least trust in that end. It is good enough draft capital where, you know, I think – um, that part of the profile doesn't fall off. He's a, a 
historically good producers. So um, there's all kinds of good things here still about Terrace Marshall. But I think in just terms of overall players, you know, in that top eight, he probably is the one that maybe did take a tiny bit of a fall for me. I think I might at this point take Kadarius Tony, and I know people are going to, you know, say that's terrible and it's bad process, but they said that last year about Brandon Ayuk versus Jalen Rager too. So um, I'm I'm very torn on this one. I haven't made up my mind, but I will say um, I like where this Carolina offense is going, and I liked uh, the pick when they made it Terrace Marshall. So um, how about uh, Josh Palmer? You yeah, were higher on him than I was. So so give us the sell on why he was a good pick at 77 for the Chargers. Well, I'm not going to say it was a good pick. Um, he was in my top 20, but there was still four or five, mm-hmm. maybe even six guys on ahead of him on my board. So, um, I mean, it's a great landing spot. Um, I liked him, uh, you know, a fair amount as far as just I thought he was uh, – able to adjust well to bad quarterback play. I see a lot of good body control on off-thrown passes, which may not really be necessary with Justin Herbert, but um, I saw a guy that maybe just got a little discounted because of some weird, you know, offensive stuff. I thought um, he was kind of pigeonholed into a role that he was maybe not quite um, built for. Yep, absolutely, and I think – you know, we talked about he was used as a deep threat, and I think he's much more of that possession underneath wide receiver. Frankly, from a frame, from a, um athleticism standpoint, he's not all that dissimilar to Keenan Allen. So it is an interesting landing spot. I don't think he gets reps right away, even with, you know, he has more draft capital than a few of the guys here on this list yet that went tonight and, you know, obviously that are going to go tomorrow. Um, however, uh, you know, I think this is a good spot for him to go and learn. And obviously Herbert's got... 12, 15 years out in front of him. So if Palmer can be good, there's a big window of opportunity here for him. Um, this one, though, did surprise me. And you're right. I had I ended up moving him up on your advice. Um, but ultimately, there was a few players that I would have taken over him. So, you know, good for them for sticking to their board. But it, it puzzled me a little bit. Anthony Schwartz in Cleveland. I think this is kind of interesting year one. I'm not necessarily sold on Anthony Schwartz as a long-term asset. But I sort of think this helps Cleveland right away. The, the, yeah, the team more so. Sorry, it, it gives them a deep threat, but I don't. I still don't really like the pick all that much, to be quite frank. Um, I don't see him as much more than a vertical guy, and maybe that's just what they wanted, and that's fine. I like him for Baker Mayfield. That's what I'll say. And then Nico Collins. This one is is probably the most interesting. We've we've both expressed love for Nico Collins. He's kind of a throwback archetype, something that we don't really chase anymore, but. Of those big-bodied sort of good movers at the at the sort of in the middle end of the draft, he was the guy that I liked the most. He goes first of that grouping. He goes to Houston, a place where they don't have anything like him. Um, this has got to be arrows up if you were a Nico Collin fan to begin the night. Yeah, couldn't have said it better myself. Totally agree. Um, yeah, Houston's a gross organization, but <laughs> you know someone's got to catch balls there, and right. uh, Nico looks like a pretty safe bet to crack that uh, top three. All right. Aside from Jalen Darden, because I'm sure everybody who's listening is like they got to get to him because he didn't go tonight. I think he'll go pretty early tomorrow, but fingers crossed because we're both we're both waiting on pins and needles. Oh, we Other skipped than- Dwayne Eskridge. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, we don't want to uh, discount Eskridge. This this seemed a little bit like a luxury pick for Seattle, who has such little draft capital. But I love the player. Um, I know you were a little more down on this. What are your thoughts to start out here on Eskridge? 
Well, I think the main thing that kind of scared me from Eskridge was his age. And uh-huh. I, I guess um, I that shouldn't really bother me that much because um, I'm not looking for a guy at this point to get me seven years of production. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this actually maybe moves him up a little bit in my rankings, even though he's you know, clearly going to have a lower volume based on who else is around him on the team. And just the fact that they like to run the ball so much, I see them probably trying to find a lot of creative ways to get him the ball as well, though. Maybe, you know, a lot of end around stuff like that. Um, just get him into open field, let DK, you know, kind of sure. create some space for him. Yeah. Nope. I think he shares a lot of similarities with Tyler Lockett. I actually had him comp to T Y Hilton. I think there's both, you know, some similarities in both of those players. Um, I really liked the, the the guy, the player. Um, I do think he can carve out a role. I think they're trying to extend somewhat of an olive branch here to Russell Wilson. And That's kind of what is, it felt like. Dude, this is it? maybe a sign that they're going to try to be a little bit more aggressive. I know they've, you know, I'm sure they've had to convince Pete, but um, at the end of the day, in terms of a third weapon, that's you. You do need a third weapon in most offenses. In terms of the passing game, it's not the tight end right now. It's not the running back. So. I like the idea of getting Russell one more weapon that he can use. Um, and Eskridge is a really good player. I, it did not surprise me to see him come off the board um, at 56. It was just a little surprising to see where he ended up coming off the board. Agreed. Um, so the guys we have left, um, obviously we both love Jalen Darden. Yep. Um, how surprised are you that Amon Rob St. Brown didn't make it into the what? third round? It's funny. Amari Rogers and Amon Ross St. Brown sound very similar when you start the name. And I, when she started, well, I guess I believe, that's another name we kind of skipped is Amari Rogers. Oh yeah. We got to talk. Well, cause he was, I'm sorry. Cause I had him on the running back list. Yeah. We got to talk about him because other than Trey Sermon, I think he was the second highest sort of value riser in the entire oh, uh, fantasy sort of side of things in the draft. I mean, this is a perfect landing spot for him. He does the jet action stuff, which is essentially he's a hybrid running back wide receiver. They got Curtis Samuel without having to go pay Curtis Samuel. I mean, this was this was a home run pick for the Packers, and I hate to say that. I dogged the Stokes pick a little bit. This one... Uh, this was awesome, and this is perfect for fantasy, in my opinion. Rodgers or no Rodgers, this is a uh, this is a weapon that they can use. Hundred um, percent. This was the type of player we've been talking about pretty much from the start of the offseason that we expected them to yep. target one way or the other. And yeah, Rogers makes a ton of sense. I texted our good buddy Perry Packer fan that we know. Uh, great pick right after it was made, and I don't yep. often do that, so. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, you know, I think they've they've done some good things in this draft, but that was a home run. That was um, about as good as they could have expected. And, you know, they, they did the right thing again, turning down wide receiver early. And, um, you know, you get a, like I said, a, a Randall Cobb slash, um, you know, hybrid playmaker, Curtis Samuel. And, and um, yeah, home run for the Packers. So good for them because uh, it's been, you know, they've been kind of uh, at a shooting gallery here for a couple of years in terms of the draft. And this one's been good. So, um, yeah, so that was the last guy. Uh, Tylen Wallace is still on the board. That one's interesting to me. Um, Kay Johnson and Shai Smith, a couple slot guys that I think are really interesting. Um, and then that, you know, as we referenced before, that big group of Seth Williams and Tamori and Terry. Simi Fihoko is a guy you talked about really liking. Um, Trevon Grimes is an excellent athlete. So we're going to see a bunch of these guys come off the board tomorrow. I'll be interested to see kind of how they come off the board in what order um and sort of who they go to 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm sure text messages Who's- will be exchanged between us after Darden's pick, but uh, I'm very curious where Amon Ra goes, man. I think he deserved yeah. a little bit higher draft capital than he's gotten. I wonder if he's honestly being hurt by his brother's kind of bustiness. Yeah, it's it's entirely possible, and we had to we had to reconcile that too when we were watching him. He's such a different player than his brother, and you know the. I'm assuming they're relating the personality and some of that stuff back to sort of the weird pre-draft process uh, Equinemius has had. Um, I, I think Amon Ra is going to be fantastic. You know, Tampa Bay is still looking for a slot receiver. What I was going to ask you is, you know, it's we, we, we've mentioned the wide receiver depth charts league-wide are crowded. They've gotten more crowded with the, you know, 10 or 11 wide receivers we've seen drafted tonight mm-hmm. uh, and yesterday. Where are there still open spots where we can maybe see some of these guys go? Well, the Vikings need a third receiver. Yeah. Right? Um, I'm going to have to rake my brain. Well, the Titans for sure. Oh, yeah. Good one. Very um, good one. Let me think. Tampa Bay, s- I think, is one. and that Well, they did resign AB. That's true. I'm, I'm That's not true. so sure Tampa Bay needs one um, with Tyler Johnson and – um, Scotty Miller hasn't addressed wide Yeah, New Orleans could certainly. One. Yeah, Kansas City. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good one. Uh, um, Raiders, maybe. Um, yeah, I thought about them. Uh, I still think New England should probably take a dart throw at one good of these one. guys. Good one. Yeah. So there's still appealing landing spots out there, in my opinion. There might not be open depth chart spots the way there sort of was earlier in this draft. However, I don't think you get those spots without sort of the talent that's well, already Detroit, gone. Detroit's Ooh, another team. I mean, that's a wide open. That's a vacuumous spot right there. So, yeah, that's that's one that's going to be addressed absolutely. Maybe twice today or tomorrow, excuse me. Well, maybe it is today. Yeah, it's midnight, after midnight here now. Um, how about best drafts? Uh, teams that you really like. We've talked about Washington um, that we both really, really liked w- with what they did. How about one or two teams you liked or one or two teams you didn't like? Yeah, Washington was my favorite, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm going to give the Bears a lot of credit, man. Um, I mean, we talked about Fields' pick, trading up for them, home run. But I love the Tevin Jenkins pick, uh, moving up for him as well. I think that was exactly what they needed. So I thought the Bears did well. They only took two guys, but um, I liked them both. Um, I think the Jags have done some interesting things, but there were a few head scratchers in there, so they're not quite ready for my winner's list. Um, what was the other team? It's kind of slipping mine. Oh, Miami. Uh, I've really liked their draft. Yep. Okay, absolutely. I'm right with you on Chicago. Now, the thing that concerns me here is that they moved up twice to address these two play, you know, to get these two players, and I think they got high-impact players. I, did you see what they gave up to move up to get Tevin Jenkins? I, I haven't yet. No, I, I I didn't really do much digging on all those second-round well, trades. Yeah, a whole bunch of them went down within a span of time, and they usually show them on the broadcast. They didn't really show them this year. I didn't look into it, I'll be honest. But I know they gave up their first-rounder already last uh, uh, next year to get Fields, so they mortgaged more future um, assets more than likely to get up to get Tevin Jenkins. They only have two picks the rest of this draft. I'm right with you. Two high-impact players. I'm a little worried that they had more needs than just quarterback and one offensive lineman. Now, I will say I love what they did. I don't want to take anything away from them. They're not big losers for me. They're more neutral for me, though, I think, than they That's are fair. Um, for you. I really loved what the Philadelphia Eagles did. Um, let me get down to them. I know they got Devonta Smith right away. 
Um, Landon Dickerson in the second round. I mean, that's a home run. He's it, healthy. He's a top 15 pick. I think almost guaranteed he can play literally five spots on the offensive line. And then I loved the Milton Williams pick. I think the Vikings were pretty disappointed when we, when uh, he got sniped out in front of us there um, in the third round. Um, the other one that I really liked obviously was Washington. I, I was, I was puzzled with what Tennessee did. We talked about the Caleb Farley pick last night. It's a little rich for my taste just because of the, the back thing really scares me. We both love yeah. the red ends, but Monty Rice, another linebacker, they've got uh, David Long, and I'm forgetting the guy who got hurt last year, but they've got another really competent inside backer. They, they address corner again with Elijah Molden. They probably needed it, but, I, you know, so I did like that pick. I don't know. It's just I wasn't, I wasn't blown away with this draft. I'm – Surprised they haven't taken wide receiver yet, but you know what? This thing ain't over. I mentioned that on day one. They still have two fourths, uh, a fifth, a sixth, and a seventh. So let's give them time to let this whole thing shake out. But I was sort of puzzled uh, by what the Titans did as well. Yeah, my loser was the Cowboys. Um, Okay. I I haven't really – I mean, I like Micah Parsons a lot as a player, but we talked about last night – I mean, the fit's weird. They got Van Der Esch and Jalen Smith. So, like, where is the spot for him or where is the spot for one of those two if he's taking their job? But, um, I mean, Matt Miller is probably one of the draft guys I respect the most. Definitely. Osa Odegizua was number 228 on his board. They (laughs) took him at 75. Chauncey, I mean, I don't necessarily agree with that one, but the other two are definitely head scratchers. Chauncey yeah. Goldston, he had ranked 242nd, and they took him at 84. And Nashawn Wright, he had him ranked 315th, basically undrafted, and uh, they took him at 99. Yeah, I had uh, I had much lower grades than where those two players went. But you know what? Uh, the thing I liked about Dallas's draft, and you can you can argue the specific players were not the right players. I think uh, from a philosophical, <laughs> <laughs> now I can't say it. From a team-building strategy. Philosophical. Philosophical. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. From a philosophical standpoint, I like what the Cowboys did. They addressed defense, and they addressed it in a meaningful way. You're you're right. I'm not crazy about all the guys they took, but they understood what the need was, and they went out and at least tried to address it. I guess I can give them credit for that. The other team I want to talk about is Denver. Now, the rumor mill is crazy. If Aaron Rodgers were, were to go here, even if he doesn't, frankly, what they did with Patrick Sertan in the first round, moving up to get Javante Williams, I'm a huge Quinn Miners fan. Me too. Um, and then Baron Browning, I thought, was a steal with the last pick in the third round. He is um, as high upside as, as frankly, as Micah Parsons long term. I, I genuinely believe that. So I loved what the Denver Broncos did. I think they did a fantastic job. And Boy, if this team gets Aaron Rodgers, they're already made winner with that defense Fangio's building. Hundred percent agree. Uh, yeah, their draft was awesome. I they just kind of slipped my mind as I was scrolling through the uh, the list of every team here. So yeah, good job, Denver. Um, the other it, one I want to bring up is Cleveland. I think they got great value. Newsom was basically even with J.C. Horn, who went pick eight, and they got him at pick twenty six. The Jeremiah Usu koromoa slip still is a mystery to me. It's It feels, again, yeah. like one of those deals where the NFL is not innovative enough to figure out a, a good way to use him and somebody pull the trigger. Um, but he slips to 52, and the Cleveland Browns got a steal there. So the Schwartz pick puzzled me a little bit, and that's maybe why I didn't lead off with the Browns. But I thought 
Um, they knocked those two first two picks out of, and frankly, the Cleveland fans uh, in attendance pretty loudly echoed their approval of that pick. That was about the loudest cheer we got. So um, I liked what the what the Browns did as well. Yeah, I think Schwartz was the reason I didn't include them myself because I was loving their draft till then. But you know, whatever. Um, it's fine. Maybe Schwartz will be great. Um, I've been wrong many times before. Also, Detroit, we talked about. I think pre-show yes. is. I liking what they were doing. They, I think, understand that this isn't going to be a one-year turnaround. Mm-hmm. So they're building their uh, their team back up the right way through the trenches. I like uh, on Wuzuriki quite a bit from Washington. Same. Um, uh, Lee McNeil, maybe I'm not so sure I would have taken him, but I think I understand it. And then I like Melon Wanyu um, quite a bit more than a lot of cornerbacks that went ahead of him. Yeah, and he's a good fit to go with uh, Jeff Okuda from last year. Melanfon was a guy that I was kind of interested in seeing the Vikes take um, at some point. But uh, that's where I want to close this off on, Newts. Uh, give me a grade for the first two days for the Minnesota Vikings. I know we got a couple Vikings listeners out there, at least. I'm going to give them a B plus. I okay. like. I like every pick for the most part. I didn't get the Chaz Surratt pick. I mm-hmm. I understand wanting to maybe get a replacement for Anthony Barr a year from now, and I think they're hoping he can develop into that player. I just don't see why you need to spend that kind of draft capital for a, a project linebacker, or e- even if he's not a huge project, but where is he playing? Like, he's not playing year one, so uh-huh. don't quite – don't quite understand that, even though I know you liked him quite a bit from the Senior Bowl. And I sure. I like yeah. the tape. I mean, I haven't done a big film study on him. I'll probably watch some more now that he's a Viking. But um, just don't quite understand the positional obsession the Vikings have for taking so many linebackers in the middle rounds of these drafts. But love the Wyatt Davis pick. Love the Patrick Jones pick. So I'm happy about four out of the five. So yeah, uh, that, and I, that feels like a B plus. I think you hit on the puzzling pick. And I think the thing I like about Chaz Surratt that I didn't like about Troy Dye as you know who we drafted last year um Chaz Surratt has upside to be a you know top 15 linebacker I think you know it's it's a couple years down the road and you know it's not necessarily a guarantee I think he has that level of upside so uh he can help on special teams right away maybe they're going to use Anthony Barr and and three linebackers a little more and some sub packages where they send Barr on a blitz or, or you know rush the just rush the passer straight away um, I'm with you. That was the pick that puzzled me. It's what keeps me from giving him a really high grade because the trade back was perfect. I loved the Mon pick. I loved the Wyatt Davis pick. Um, and frankly, Patrick Jones was a heck of a value too. So um, I'm right with you. B, B plus somewhere in that range because the Surratt pick just kind of was puzzling. And frankly, to see Baron Browning go 105, who I think, you know, is a similar type player and has bigger upside even than Chaz Surratt does. That was the thing that really sort of hammered home that this was sort of a reach. I, I genuinely believe they got um, Osa Adigizua, regardless of what Matt Miller thinks, went a pick ahead of him. Um, and Milton Williams went a three picks ahead of him. And I think, you know, maybe they didn't panic, but uh, I think they definitely were looking at D-tackle there and maybe had to alter course in a way they didn't expect to. Yeah, that, that very well could be what happened. Uh, I don't know if we'll ever find out, but... We um, <laughs> oh, well. Um yeah, who's uh, I, you have a big board. I do not. Who are like the top two or three names, regardless of position, left on your board? Yeah, sure. So um, I managed to have the top 60 go. Baron Browning was the last guy. Um, two wide receivers at the top, Amon Ross St. Brown and Tylen Wallace. We've talked about them. 
Uh, Davian Nixon, the tackle out of Iowa, I thought he was, frankly, a pretty good fit for um, the Vikings at some point. Um, and then two linebackers really surprised me that they didn't go both Dylan Moses and Jabril Cox almost more. Oh, yeah, so. forget about Cox. Yep. Uh, Kenny Gainwell's coming up to the point where I think he's becoming a real value. Trey Smith, the offensive guard out of Tennessee. Uh, some health problems there, but I, you know, I think he's a he's a blue chip player if he can if he can be healthy. Um, trying to look down the list, Brevin Jordan's very close here. Trill Williams, I know we talked about him a couple um, during one of the pre-draft shows, I want to say, and then um, a guy that I wrote about a long time ago during the Senior Bowl, Ellerson Smith out of Northern Iowa, defensive end, um, who I'm interested in. So those are a couple names, at least at the top of my list. Anybody I didn't hit that you want to mention? Uh, I'm going to pull up your list. Um, you got a lot of the names. Yeah. You mentioned Brevin Jordan. Um, kind of liked Tommy Kramer a little bit. Um, he, uh, Kate Johnson, we already kind of talked about him at receiver, but I do really like him and I think he would be good for Minnesota. Uh, let me go to your fourth round here. I don't know. I think I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Um, yeah, no, so there, but there's a bunch of good players and frankly, this draft stretches into the sixth and seventh. I mean, um, there's going to be good players going off the board consistently. There's a couple tackles here that still haven't gone. I think there's, it's going to be an exciting day three if you're into this sort of thing and I'm not going to miss a minute of it. I, you know, it's going to be a grind. The the day three always is, but uh, it's also a lot of fun. And, you know, I've had a lot of fun going through nights one and two and it's been fun to react right after and kind of just. Um, you know, you haven't even had a chance to sweat on, you know, to sleep on these names and uh, go out and give a take. It's been a lot of fun news. Yeah, I've really enjoyed doing the instant reactions, and I think uh, our next show, our Monday show, will uh, it'll be equally fun having a little bit more time to process everything and yep. um, maybe kind of imagine the fits a little bit more um, nuanced, um, if that's even the right word. Forgive <laughs> me, I'm tired. It's um twelve twenty in the morning so uh, i think it's probably a good time to wrap the show don't you i think we should do that and just uh tell everybody to look forward to the monday show we'll be we'll be probably doing some some full coverage on the draft first round through seventh round but we'll talk a lot about the day three prospects um mainly the, the dynasty relevant ones but uh we'll hit we'll hit all the important stuff and um i'm really excited to do it Absolutely. Uh, enjoy the the four through seven tomorrow. Yep. I know I will. Um, I will not miss a pick, I promise you. So I uh, look forward to uh, the Monday show. And there's no birthdays today because everyone on the list is boring. Fair enough. All right. We'll talk to you tomorrow or on See Monday. See Bye. you guys. Bye.